invite invite you to take your Bibles and open with me to Exodus chapter 16. Continue our uh, Sunday morning sermon series through the book of Exodus, looking this morning at verses 21 through 36. If you haven't brought a Bible with you this morning, there are uh, pew uh, Bibles and the pew racks in front of you. Our passage is found on page 58 in those uh, pew Bibles. Uh, Previously, we have seen God's provision for His uh, people in the wilderness in spite of their grumbling. And actually, that continues in our passage this morning. But in today's passage, there is a focus on a new provision that God uh, gives to His people, and that is the, uh, uh, the provision of the Sabbath. And it includes the miracle of the manna that we're going to see in this passage uh, that we'll look at today. Before I read our passage in verses 21 through 36, look back with me at verses 19 and 20. He t- he, Moses instructs the Israelites here with regard to the daily manna. He says to them, let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But, verse 20, they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was angry with them. On normal days, when they kept some left over, it bred worms and stank. Now, we're going to see something else as we move forward into this new passage on the sixth and seventh day. So, hear the word of the Lord, Exodus chapter 16, beginning in verse 21. Morning by morning, they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested 
on the seventh day. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The people of Israel ate the manna forty years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. And Omer is a tenth part of an ephah. And thus far, God's holy word. Let's go to him in prayer. Our Father, we ask that you would open our eyes this morning, that we might see wonderful things in your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The fourth commandment is perhaps, arguably, the most neglected of all of the tenth, Ten Commandments. And I would say that is so even among Christians. In fact, the Sabbath, I believe, in many Christian circles is sometimes seen as a, a quaint relic of ancient times. Many remember, many of us remember the days, the good old days perhaps, we might say, when most stores, etc., were closed on Sundays. I even remember in Massachusetts, of all places, uh, one of the most liberal of all states, when I first went up there to go to college and then stayed up there for seminary and Met my wife there. We had kids there for many, many years. Even in Massachusetts, they still had blue laws where most things were closed on Sunday for many, many years when we were up there before those blue laws, as they were called, were, were over, overthrown or overturned. Here, God requires rest on the Sabbath in this passage. And more than that, as we see, God makes special provision for the Sabbath day. And I want to see three things from this passage. And the first is, is the God's Sabbath provision. The Sabbath provision. Let's pick up in verse 21 of our passage. We see uh, God's, we, we read here, morning by morning, they gathered it, each as much as he could eat, but when the sun grew hot, it melted. Morning by morning, God, in other words, provided for his people their daily bread. Now, notice it required work. They had to go out and gather it every day, but God provided if they worked for it. Similar to what Paul the Apostle Paul says in the New Testament, if a man will not work, neither shall he eat. 
And that is really the case here. If you do not eat work, if you do not go out and get it, you will not be able to eat. But notice the language here. As much as he and his family could eat. All they wanted. As much as they could eat. God is not stingy. God provides a a hearty portion for the Israelites to eat. We see God's generosity. God doesn't just want his people necessarily to, to squeak by, as is indicated here in this passage. Sometimes God does test us. God does try us to see if we are truly resting in him. But normally God is generous to his people. And we also especially see God's testing of his people on the Sabbath day, his provision for the Sabbath in in verse 22. On the sixth day, they were to gather twice as much. In other words, on the sixth day, God provided an abundance. He provided enough manna for two days. Why? Because, as verse 27 says, uh, there was none there. No bread to be gathered. It was to be enough for two days. There was a miraculous provision. The man itself was miraculous, God's provision, and God provided miraculously for the Sabbath itself. And I think one of the lessons that we can learn from this is that if we obey God's command to keep the Sabbath, God will provide. Sometimes we hear people say, or I hear people say, well, I I really need to work on Sunday. I really need to work on Sunday. I mean, your job may require it. And sometimes work is a necessity. But sometimes it's not. But there's just this sense of, I need to work on Sunday. But, but sometimes we really don't. Sometimes we, need, we think we need that extra money. But God says, if you keep my day, I will provide for you. That's the lesson here. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah. Keep staying in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. Look at verses 13 and 14. God, through the prophet Isaiah says this, Isaiah 58, 13, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord 
And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. In other words, if you keep the Sabbath, especially if you call the Sabbath a delight, if you the holy day is honorable, if you honor it, not doing what you want to do, but what God commands on the Sabbath. Notice the promises in verse 14. First of all, you will take delight in the Lord. The more you delight in the Sabbath, the more you delight in the Lord. Sometimes people come to me and say, you know, my spiritual life is really dry right now. And sometimes the first question I ask them is, what are you doing on the Lord's day? How are you keeping the Lord's day? The next question, of course, is how is your time with the Lord? But how are you keeping the Lord's day if your spiritual life is dry? What are you doing on it? Secondly, I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. Ride on the heights of the earth. Matthew Henry writes about this line. There is great security when we keep the Sabbath. There is great dignity and advancement and honor God promises here for those who keep the Sabbath. And then finally, this last line, I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. What is the heritage of Jacob, your father? The covenants, the blessings of the covenant, basically. An inheritance, knowledge of God's presence, knowledge that God never leaves and never forsakes us, knowledge that God provides all of our needs according to His riches in glory. These are the great promises that God gives for keeping the Sabbath. Dr. Currid, in his commentary, um, I talk about Dr. Currid a lot in here. He's written a commentary on Exodus that I, I swipe from constantly. And he was also uh, one of our one of our uh, pastors here uh, for for several years, as well as a Reformed Seminary professor. So, for those of you new, that's who Dr. Currid is, and I keep saying Dr. Currid, Dr. Currid. Um, Dr. Currid, in his commentary, um, says that he exhorted students to take a Sabbath, and the the constant feedback that he got was when students would actually take a Sabbath, take Sunday off and not study when they thought they needed to study on Sunday, their grades actually went up, not down. Went up, not down. We need a Lord's day. God provides when we obey Him, especially when we Obey his Sabbath command. That leads secondly to the provision of the Sabbath. Not only does God promise to provide for those who keep the Sabbath, but the Sabbath itself is a wonderful provision of God. Back to Exodus 16. It's a provision of God. 
Look at verse 23. He said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over, uh, let it be kept aside until the morning. Um, The Lord has commanded, it says here. The Lord has commanded a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath. Let's look at these phrases. The Lord has commanded a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath. Let's go backwards. A holy Sabbath, holy day. It's a special day. It's a unique day. It's a day that is set apart. Genesis 2-3, God rested on the seventh day and made it holy. It is a day set apart for the Lord. That language goes back to the creation account. It is also here, the text says, a day of solemn rest, a day of rest. The Hebrew word Sabbath literally means to cease, to stop. That's what Sabbath literally means, cease, stop, cease from the rest of your worldly affairs, stop the other things you're doing, and set it apart for the Lord. From your work, from your regular activities, rest and worship. We'll come back to that in a minute. The Puritans referred to the Lord's Day, the Sabbath day, as the market day of the soul. The market day of the soul. John Bunyan, the writer of Pilgrim's Progress, wrote this, Make the Lord's Day the market day for your soul. Let the whole day be spent in prayer, scripture reading, meditation. Lay aside the affairs of the other parts of the week. Let the sermon you have heard be converted into prayer. Shall God allow you six days and will you not give him one? Another Puritan, Henry Burton, wrote this, It is the market day of our souls, wherein we come to God's house, the marketplace, to buy the wine and milk of the Word without money. A day of solemn rest. And it says here, the Lord has commanded The Lord has commanded. This is interesting here. Pharaoh lorded it over the Israelites for 430 years. While the Israelites were in Egypt, they had no Sabbath. They had no day off. They had no day of rest. And now what does God say? God says, I command you to take a day off. Now reflect on that. From no day off to a day off every week. 
a vacation, no vacations, to 52 days off. That's seven and a half weeks of vacation a year, if you total it up. No vacations, now seven and a half weeks of vacation a year. No, God, we don't want that. There it is. That's what God gives. Why? Because God is a benevolent master, but he also wants our praise, our worship, a day devoted to him. Why? Because he has saved us. He has rescued us, brought us out of slavery. And yet, we see here as we See today, Sabbath breakers, verse 27. They went out. Some went out to gather, but they found none. And we see in verse 28, God's immediate rebuke. How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws. Notice the language here, God's commandments, His laws. Israel has not reached Sinai yet. They have not reached Mount Sinai where God is going to give the Ten Commandments. They have not received the Fourth Commandment to keep the Sabbath day, to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. In other words, this Sabbath command precedes the law given on Sinai. This Sabbath command, in fact, goes back to creation. It goes back to God resting on the seventh day. It is part of the way God has created the world and the way God has created us to live. It is an eternal command, an eternal moral command, nothing to do with the laws of Israel. It is for us today as it has been throughout all eternity. It's a command. But notice what verse 29 says. I have given you the Sabbath. The Lord has given you the Sabbath. More than that, it is a gift. It is good for us. It is good for you. It is for us. It is a gift. This is what Jesus was communicating when he said that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It was made for us. A gift from God. God made the Sabbath for you. Are you going to turn your back on God's good gift? A holy Sabbath given for you. That doesn't mean we can do whatever we want. But it's a good gift for our, for us. As Phil Riken puts it, it's a day of rest, but worship and acts of mercy are also forms of that rest. In worship, we rest in God's grace and mercy. We Extend God's rest to the weary. Wonderful gift of God.
Third and finally, in our passage, we see the goodness of God's provision. The goodness of God's provision. Not only was the Sabbath a good gift, but even the daily bread that God gave to Israel in verses 31 to 36. A good gift. It was good and it was sweet. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I think about the man, I think, yeah, that probably wouldn't taste very good. This bread that we got to scoop up off the ground. But look at the description here in verse 31. It was like, now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white. And the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Hmm, all right. I could probably deal with that. Wafers made with honey. What was the promised land referred to? A land of milk and honey. What is God doing? He's giving them a foretaste of the promised land. The land to come. This land of milk and honey. This is a, this is a good gift. This is not going to be the only thing they're going to eat on the way. We're going to see that as we... We move along, but this good gift, this, this daily gift. We also see that there are preparations made in verses 32 to, to 34 for a, a, a remembrance. Moses says uh, that, that the Lord has commanded that a, an omer of it uh, be kept throughout their generations, that they see the bread that he fed them with when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. And in verse 33, Moses tells Aaron to take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord uh, to be kept throughout their generations. And he put it in uh, before the testimony uh, to be kept, the ark of the the testimony uh, to be kept. Uh, Again, we see a, a miraculous provision. It lasts 40 years. And it doesn't go bad in this jar as a reminder, preparations for a reminder of God's provision for his people. And then 35 tells us they ate this manna until they came to the border of Cana, of Canaan. God provided for 40 years. The provision would be sweet throughout those years. Once again, we need these regular reminders. We need these regular reminders as God tells Israel to have with this manna. In our frail and sinful state, we easily forget. But again, isn't it Isn't it interesting, and I believe it's no coincidence, that the only commandment of the Ten Commandments that begins with the word remember is the Sabbath day. Remember. It's a day of remembrance. Remember to keep it. Remember what God has done. 
Remember to worship. Remember to set it aside. Remember to give it fully to the Lord. A day of remembrance, thanksgiving, a day of rest, a day to keep other distractions away, a day to reflect on God's provision, especially His provision of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we as Christians meet not on the seventh day, but on the first day of the week, as the early Christians did, as we remember the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ on the first day of the week. And I pray that God would give us grace to call the Sabbath a delight, to prepare ourselves for worship every Sabbath day and to feast on this wonderful market day of the soul. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you for all of your wonderful provisions for us, your people. And we do thank you for the Sabbath day. How we thank you that you created all things in six days and rested on the seventh day. You set it apart. You made it holy. Oh God, we thank you for the Lord's day. We thank you for the great blessing that it is, the blessing of gathering of assembling on the Lord's day. And so, oh God, we pray that we would honor that day, that we would remember your day, and that we would find great joy and delight in it to the honor of your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.